0: Welcome to Seeking God's Grace podcast, a place to share stories about life, faith and passion. My name is Grace and I'm a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth, or as some prefer to say, I'm a Catholic nun. I hope that this podcast will help you and me to find God in everyday life experiences and to understand God and yourself a little bit better. Let's talk and seek God together. Good evening. I am making a bridge today with Sister Amata Nowaszewska, who is, I believe, in Warsaw. Very, very warm welcome to you, Sister Amata. It's great to have you with us.
1: It's my pleasure. Hello to everybody.
0: Sister Amata is a member of the Sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth. So she's my fellow sister. It just happened that right now she's in Poland and in Warsaw. But she and I met on many occasions over the past, I would say, probably almost 20 years. She used to be a provincial of the Sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth in Warsaw. And in her, let's say, it, vocational and professional life, she has done many, many things. I'm not going to read to you the whole one because I think it will be actually uh, quite long. Sister Amata, what are you doing right now as far as your ministry is concerned? Okay, yes, right now
1: I'm, uh, I'm involved in uh, communications, let's say. And uh, I'm a coordinator of translations for uh, various things, basically connected with the church, with uh, Christian values. So we translate uh, like Vatican documents, for example, or Popes, what, what Pope Francis says and other things, and um, things connected with me- media. Um, that's my job now. But um, being involved in communications, in media, I can use also uh, other ways of communicating, like uh, like photographs, for example. I also happen to write texts and um, prepare various things for,
0: for communications. I saw your name when I did the simple Google search that you are part of the communication for the Polish Bishop Conference. Is that how it is connected or is it broader? Yes, yes,
1: uh, it's broader because I'm on several projects, but uh, I'm, I am a coordinator of Foreign uh, Communications Office uh, uh, in the Secretariat of the Polish Bishops Conference.
0: That's quite amazing. Well, congratulations. Uh, I'm saying this word congratulations because I also saw your name under some some documents which were written for the Synodal Way. I think that you were quite involved in that process, weren't you? Uh, Yes, I'm involved uh, in translating the synodal of
1: documents. Usually the names are not written because these are kind of official things. But uh, our recent um, work with uh, with my team, because obviously I'm not doing these things alone, uh, was uh, translating the report from the Synod in Rome, which uh, finished
0: end of uh, October. That's right. Well, when I looked in one of the articles about your life, uh, the person who was interviewing you for the family news uh, media said that you are a person with a lot of energy. And I can <laughs> out of it, I can say that you have your energy in plenty. Uh, so in this role that you are doing right now with the Bishop's Conference, with the Secretariat, um, do you have to use the energy only for Polish in English? Or tell us a little bit of what you do with these translation jobs. Uh, I receive texts which
1: need to be translated. And uh, I'm, sometimes I translate them on my own <laughs> if I have time. But usually I send them to other translators. So I have a, a team um, of translators about... I don't know, 15 people, maybe, in various languages. And if there are very important texts, like Pope Francis texts or the church documents, uh, they, one person translates, then it goes back to me, and it needs to be verified. Uh, so it goes to another person for verification, and I also prepare it for publication. And also, I translate uh, alone. I managed to learn second language, Italian, and I I can translate from Italian also. And and I verify things from Italian and from English.
0: Um, That's incredible. My goodness. Polish, English, Italian. Well you know probably you still remember russian from primary school (laughs) oh yes and i i I may say an anecdote
1: just like an introduction that when i was uh, in rome and the war in ukraine just started and i received a very important document and uh, the person who gave it to me said i cannot send it to anyone because it's confidential you have to do it and i said okay i'll do it in the evening i'm free and then when I opened it, I said, oh my god, it's in Russian. I don't forget, I, I don't remember Russian so well, but but I made you know I made my best to translate it and when it was already, I spent a lot of time on that, um, I saw that there are more pages. And then then I saw that the the, the letter was sent into versions in Russian and English. And I I translated Russian, which was original, really. And then I could uh, really verify with with the English. It was a funny story, but... (laughs) um, but I did well. I did
0: well. I was happy when I checked with the English that I did well. <laughs> That's great to hear that. Absolutely. Look, this is a little bit, um, I would say, maybe for many people who are listening, surprising, a religious sister doing this kind of jobs. Um How does it connect with the ministry of the Sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth? How did you find yourself being happy in a very unusual position right now?
1: Um, For me, it's a a perfect place because I I can see that I can use uh, the gifts God has given to me. And uh, I can uh, serve the church, uh, this, is, this is so much connected with, uh, with the church, because the things I do, I do it for the church and other projects with, which we do, uh, they are all about spreading the God's kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God's love among people. Um, really the the idea of other projects is that this is always uh, good news, good news in terms of not only the gospel, but uh, not, you know, there are so many sad stories, tragic stories. We try to show the good side of it. And uh, also family values, um, protection of life. These are issues very important in those media projects. So, um, the use of modern technology allows us to, um, to really do it on a larger scale. And um, going to our mother foundress, Blessed Frances I must say that she's an inspiration in this work for me too. Because when I when I studied what she do, what she did, um, I was involved for some time, also with her writings, and I saw how how open, how brave she was in nineteenth century with new technologies. She would she would use. Uh, I don't know if you know, but we have we. She also recorded her voice, which was. Uh, incredible for that time. So uh, she's an example because she she never stopped. She she, she used um, modern technology very willingly uh, to spread the good news, to spread the, uh, the kingdom of God's love. And uh, that's an inspiration
0: for me also. You gave me a goosebump. I never heard that she recorded her voice. Can we hear this somewhere? Unfortunately,
1: it, it didn't it didn't re- remain I think because I don't think the we have it because that was an old technology they were like um, yeah and I I don't think so but she she did rec- several times she would rec- she would recall I, I know that she um, recorded some music and there was a message from sisters in Rome recorded for sisters in Paris and uh, father Le- Anthony Leher, her spiritual director um yeah some singing wow mind-blowing
0: honestly <laughs> well uh, yeah talk about that. <laughs> that's, that's so, true yeah lost my heart <laughs> I love it. And that's what encourages me, you know, to, to talk and and also to use technology for whatever I can in order to spread uh, the good news that, yes, God is there in for us as he was in Mother Fundress. So let's talk a little bit more about her. The month of November, it's actually very rich in connections to Frances Siedliska, or some people call her Mary of Jesus the Good Shepherd, um, and her life. Frances Siedliska, the fundress of the congregation of the Sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth. Why November is important?
1: Yeah, it, both names are correct because she's Frances Siedliska. She was, um, that, that her baptismal name, Frances, um, her, religious name is Mary of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. So mm-hmm. both names are correct. And uh, November is special because we we have this, uh, for us, for the Sisters of the Holy Family, is the feast of, of our mother foundress so of Blessed Francis Sziliska falling in November. Uh, and this, is in November because she was born in November and she died in November. And it's uh, interesting that it's more or less the same date because she was, she was born on um, November the 12th, um, mm-hmm. 19, 1842. Mm-hmm. But she was baptized on the eve of the Feast of Presentation of Our Lady, which was afternoon the 20th, which was really 20. First, you would say, liturgically speaking, yeah. and she died on the same day, on the twenty-first of November. So it's in um, at the age of sixty. So it's kind of date very much connected with her, and it happens that this day is date is feast of um, liturgical feast for us in Poland a little bit uh, later. Yeah, a couple days later.
0: Yeah, again, what a significance, I don't know, some people must have special connections in heaven, because even the dates of uh, their life and their um, connections with God come so beautifully so you know being received to the church and being received to God pretty much at the same time uh, I, I love Exactly
1: it. at the same time
0: and, uh, and the date
1: of her baptism was always very important for her she would always boast that she was baptized on, on the day of presentation of Our Lady and uh, stressing how how wonderful grace it was because her life as as a baby, as a child, was endangered. So she was baptized very quickly because parents were afraid that she wouldn't leave.
0: Wow. We're not going to say the whole story about her life because we want our listeners to... Okay. <laughs> uh, to a little bit probably search on their own, but we have to give them a little bit of a glimpse. So you talk about her um, birthday. You talk about her um, being received to the church. Can you give us a slight brief how she became actually the fundress of, of the congregation, please? Uh, since her first communion,
1: She knew she wants to be a religious sister. Uh, this, this, this vocational calling was very strong in her and she knew it, but she had to wait for that quite a long time. Uh, the, the discernment, um, the discerning process was very long in her case. Because at certain point there was this idea coming from a, from a spiritual director that she might be a founder of a new congregation. So actually she didn't join any congregation, but she was just waiting God to make things clear for her uh, how to start the new congregation, and uh, she started in the best way possible because she uh, traveled to Rome to meet the Pope and the Pope gave her a blessing. So she knew uh, she has to do that because uh, she feels this vocation. She knows she has this vocation, the spiritual director the uh, tells her also to go along this path. And now the voice of the church says, yes, you have the blessing of the Pope, go and do it. And that's what happened. Uh, she really uh, founded a new congregation, let's say, from scratches, because uh, it often happens that somebody who starts a new congregation has some story of some religious order, like for example Mother Teresa of Calcutta who was before a sister of another community, knew the religious life. In her case, no. She she herself uh, followed a kind of private path of taking vows and her religious formation. And and she was just brilliant in doing so. And because her desire for God was so strong and her um, her willingness to fulfill God's will in her life and in the in the, in the new congregation was really very strong. And uh, there are, um, she had lights on, on her path. But it was a long, also a long process, but it's, it's wonderful that we are here today. And uh, that's thanks to, uh, to Frances Siedliska, Mother Mary of Jesus, the Good Shepherd.
0: We were talking about your ability of uh, using many languages in your work, but Mother Foundress, Frances Siedliska, she was also gifted with different languages, right? Uh, w- I would say yeah yeah she was I think
1: when I read her uh, her what she wrote about her about languages and how she what was her attitude uh, coming out of her writings I would say that was something more than she was just gifted because she she had a good ear because she was uh, uh, she could play p- piano very well and she would serve as an organist in our convents. Uh, so she had a good year, obviously, but I think that she has this kind of willingness to communicate with people and to use every opportunity to develop skills that might be useful in life. And uh, with languages she was most fluent, I would say she was uh, in French, wow. because she learned it as a child. She had a teacher, private teacher in, in her home a governess who was uh, um, from Switzerland for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So she learned this language as a a child. And then when she went abroad for five years, she had the uh, good opportunity to practice it. And we have to remember that in 19th century, French was like English nowadays, uh, that it could easily communicate um, with people and then when she started to live in uh, in Italy in Rome she learned Italian and itali- her Italian is very good you can is there a writings she makes notes in French and in Italian And sometimes in English too, that's another language, but uh, English, she learned English when she started a a mission in the United States and she sent sisters there. So when she went, she went with the sisters and started to learn English uh, there and she managed to learn it. in such a way that she could easily communicate. At the beginning, she still spoke uh, French with the bishops during formal meetings, but later she was also able to communicate uh, in English with them. Uh, She knew Latin. She wrote uh, her own prayers in Latin. She said her Latin was broken. I cannot confirm that, but she used (laughs) it. I don't know Latin. Um, she knew German. She gave uh, um, lessons uh, of German to children in Rome. Um, sisters gave uh, some lessons to uh, religion but also languages, so she would learn some German to, to, to children. Uh, what else? Oh, when there was an I um uh, there was this idea of starting of starting new mission homes in the area of uh, present-day western ukraine and uh, the local uh, the local language there was called Rus which was probably some kind of a ukrainian language but some maybe some dialect and she started to learn that language because she knew when when you she she was sure that when you are going to some place you have to have the the language to communicate with people even if you don't if you're not fluent if you're not fluent it's good to say something in the language to these people to to be with them to understand them better
0: how inspiring how motivational for all of us to really try to communicate wherever we are in whatever language we need to use as I was looking, well, she, she encouraged sisters very much so to learn languages, especially
1: when they went abroad uh, in the mission. And uh, I know that there was a, a, a situation in London when there was a community, and this community was, consisted mainly of Polish sisters, but they were supposed to learn English. And my mother was um, crossed with them that they spoke Polish
0: at home, they should speak English. Well, amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. couldn't agree with her more. But as you spoke about those various languages that uh, she was using, now it started to make sense to me, the last moment of her life, how she uh, was uh, saying Mm -hmm. love in many languages. Would you like to tell this story, please? Oh yes, oh yes, and I think that's reflex, that reflects that—that's
1: her because I've, i found in one place that not one place, more than that, that she would when she make notes, she would switch from one language to another. So there is a short note to her spiritual director, Father Antony, in which he uses she uses um, three languages in one sentence: uh, Polish, English. French, no, four, and Italian. In one sentence, with <laughs> a long sentence, but still, four languages. And uh, that means that these languages kind of um, were inside her, came out easily. Uh, oh, so, wow. when, yeah, flowed out, that's right. So uh, her last day on this earth, when she was dying, the last words that sisters remember was, was the call to, love and she repeated the word love in many many languages uh, probably in all those languages she knew and some even maybe don't don't uh, didn't knew very well but she repeated the word love as the most important word and also as the something for us to remember that it is uh, for us
0: the, the path to, flo- to follow Testimony, a challenge, but from your perspective, what was the most significant part of her life that we can learn from?
1: I, it, it's hard to say because yeah. for me, every every phase, uh, every part of her life uh, is significant and. Uh, and also, depending on the, on, on the situation we are in, sometimes this part will be more important, sometimes this part will be more important. Uh, for me, also very striking. And, uh, and this is um, for many young people uh, that I talked to uh, important to see that her family wasn't perfect. She founded a congregation that was to serve families, spread the uh, king, kingdom of God's love to families in the primarily and then to everybody else, uh, but her own family wasn't perfect. And for me, it was also striking to see that uh, a person who wasn't understood in her own fa- family, who was somehow neglected certainly her emotional needs were neglected she didn't get as much support as uh, a child should should have uh, should get really Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that that your life is not going to be a beautiful life a good life holy life god is always there to help you no matter what is your life story and what difficulties they were in your own family
0: and her life wasn't easy as you said from the time of the childhood but also during the time when she really felt and discerned that she is to start religious congregation it wasn't a smooth pathway wasn't it (laughs) no
1: not at all not at all not at all as, as i said it was a long process of discernment uh, she was re- really uh, look, um, looking for good spiritual directors um, and at, at a certain point she didn't have any so she prayed very hard um, to help her with this with this disturbance and um, she started um, in france uh, trying to create a little bit in poland first in in Poland and in France, thinking that maybe she can create, and there were various people who were trying also to use her. She had this clear vision, um, no clear vision that she wants to found a new congregation, and then there were this other congregation that were creating. I said, Okay, maybe we can merge this too, but she had this, um, somehow. Intuition or something, because yeah. she, did, she didn't. She didn't have all the answers, but she knew it. It is not her direction.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: is not her direction. And uh, and then the beginnings, of course, are not easy. Um, we have to start with everything. And uh, this most incredible thing for me is that the the, the fact that when the congregation. Um, counted 22 sisters, she divided them into half, two halves, and half herself took to the United States to start an new mission. And the missions survived in Europe and the United States and spread no, races like australia
0: <laughs> exactly i was just about to say when you said that, that when they were 22 sisters all together at the beginnings she have them and i just realized that right now in australia there is only 22 of us <laughs> something very significant happening here but if we talk about significance we are also talking about the places where she was or where she visited. You have done an enormous work because you have um, recorded videos, um, audios, you have written books about the footsteps of Mother Foundress. Can you just tell us a little bit about your work and maybe name and place or two that we should visit? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I think that uh, it's
1: hard to list all the places because she was constantly on the way. And uh, you, you can find places connected with Mother Foundress, with, with Blessed Francis Szydliska, in Europe in, in Europe, in many countries, <laughs> in the United States. Um, she traveled constantly, 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 because there wasn't such a need. And uh, wherever there are, whenever, wherever there are sisters, she was there. And also in many other places because she had uh, plans to start uh, new, congreg- new um, homes, new missions. Uh, the places most important for me are two the place of her birth and early childhood and um, her death. And um, Rome and Poland, her birthplace. Um, why? Because she spent, uh, spent most of her lifetime in these two places. The f- first period of her life, she started a congregation at the age of 30. So um, until then she mainly, mainly uh, lived in Poland apart from the five years that she traveled in Europe. Um, and in Poland she lived in her family home in Szczary, and, and first Ruszkowa Wola when she was born. But these two places are very close. And these places are also close to Warsaw, where I live. But um, which was also very important for her. We, we, we don't realize because there's no such a, like a place that when we say she lived in, in this place because she lived in many uh, buildings in Warsaw. Uh, but uh, I would say that her, her early life, she would spend five uh, half time in Warsaw, half time in her family home in the country in Stare. Uh, usually winters in Warsaw. And there are many places that were dear to her also in in Warsaw. So when you travel to Szczary, to Roszkowa Wola, these places are all focused on her. Uh, she, lived, she lives there uh, not only because we talk about her and we have a little heritage room or there's a chapel or something, but also because... Uh, people remembered her mm-hmm. and people remembered this young uh, lady, young woman uh, as, a, as someone exceptional and someone holy, really. So she lived there also in, in people's stories and people's lives.
0: Mm,
1: in another place which is uh, very much connected with her, and when she spent a lot of time and she loved it is is rome our mother house in rome in via machiavelli a house a house that she bought and um, took care of it and uh, that was the place that she called a nest like a nest when the congregation started when our congregation started And there is, yeah, there is her room. You can enter really her room. You can enter the chapel that she designed exactly according to her vision that resembles uh, the holy house in in Loreto Shrine.
0: You mentioned during this sharing that uh, the places were connected with the stories. Stories told by people and also by simply her presence. And... um, Talking about stories, you actually collected some of the stories in a little book that was uh, just recently printed called Little Flowers of Frances Siedliska. And for those who are listening to us today, I just wanted to say that if you will put in the comment of this podcast I listen and I would like to read. I will send you the book. I have quite a few of them that I can still send to the people. So there you go. But what could they read in this Little Flowers of Frances Chedliska's story? What is it all about?
1: This book was born when I when I worked on uh, uh, Mother Foundress's spiritual notes. Uh, so-called conversations with jesus which her kind of kind of spiritual journey and this uh, this these notes were very serious okay that were spiritual notes uh, her also her inner problems her struggles etc but while preparing uh, those notes for print i discovered this little um small like events, like from the point of view of serious biography, unimportant things, little things. But th- those things show really how human she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, show her human side. Sh- so show um, also her personality, what she liked, what she didn't like. Uh, what, uh, what were her choices? Uh, what are the places she preferred? Very simple things. Something what she liked cooking. What she think about. Uh, what she thought about k- kitchen, for example. Um, how important was uh, was singing in her life, for example. How she traveled, and what happened on the way when she traveled. Was it easy for her? Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for giving us a little bit of a glimpse what to expect in this book. Again, if anyone who listens would like to have a copy of this book, please just make a comment. I would like to receive Little Flowers and we will make sure, I will make sure that it will reach you. The other very uh, interesting part about this little book is the fact that it was translated by our current superior, Angela (laughs) Marie (laughs) Matteo. Oh my goodness, gifted women in this congregation. Sister Angela is right now doing the general visitation in Australia, so we have her here. And I told her that we will be talking about Mother Fundress today on this podcast and she was very pleased. So I guess she's... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm very grateful that she took uh, up this job and uh, um, and privilege because uh, she started when she was still a counselor, a general counselor, And when she was elected Mother Superior said, oh, forget about the flower, she's not going to finish it. But she did. But she did. Thank, thank you very much. And I, I would like, uh, uh, like also to add something about this little flowers. That inspirational story for me to start writing the book was the one about the hummingbird. When mother uh, foundress, uh, Blessed Frances Siedliska, was uh, doing visitation in the United States, by accident uh, she got a little hummingbird. and. Uh, and it was just incredible because everybody told her that this hummingbird is not going to survive because those birds don't live in captivity. But she took such a care of, of, of this little bird that she, well, it did survive for some time uh, until the sisters uh, took over, okay? <laughs> but it was another story. Um, but it also shows her attitude towards people according to me. Uh, Because when they were, we all have different weaknesses. And for for Mother um, Mary, Jesus the Good Shepherd, when she talked to sisters, she said, you do it always with gentleness, with love, with kindness, because you show this kindness to uplift the people. You don't uh, shout on people, you don't punish them. But if they're doing wrong, you have to tell them that you're doing r- wrong, but in a gentle way so that you can lift them up. And that's what she did with this little hummingbird when it was weak. He took, she took care of it uh, so that it could live. So she took care of uh, every sister and every person she met in her life so that each of us had... had have life and
0: uh, real life (laughs) I like what you shared because I think that sometimes when we have someone in the Catholic Church that we call saint we kind of dehumanize this person we make them so holy that first of all we think that we will never reach that level and secondly we think that, oh, my goodness, well, yeah, well, because she was saints then she was like that. Uh, on the other hand, I think that what you are sharing with your stories and with your sharing is simply saying, no, she she was very much human. She was very much a human being. Uh, you, you, you just reminded me about one of the letters which I read to uh, she had written to uh, one of the superiors. Uh, famous uh, sister Joanna or mother Joanna and she was writing to her about the finances and apparently she told her I will not send you any more money until you will give me the full account of the money that you have spent. (laughs) So, so it wasn't mm-hmm. just, you know, easy and beautiful. It was also a tough and very real expectations that she yes, was. Yes, yes. Sisters, wasn't?
1: And I must say that she was very good with finances. Um, my idea is that she learned it in, at home because her her grandfather was the Ministry of uh, Finances in, uh, in yeah at that point and she spent uh, a lot of time in his house so probably she got some education from from them
0: she knew what she is doing that's for sure (laughs) Uh, i always say something what uh, also connect mother foundress with um, my love to being in australia and serving in australia she was born in the same year as saint mary McKillop, one and only saint in australia Mm -hmm. And she died only seven years apart from her. I think that, you know, I always uh, say, actually, that there is a probability that these two saint women met in Rome. Uh, Because at the very, very same time, 1873, something like that, Mother Fandress was in Rome and Mary MacKillop was in Rome as well. So, uh, yeah, I I really would like to know one day. If they were having a kappa somewhere or not, via Merulana or wherever it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that but that's our guessing only. Now, without guessing, can we try to maybe give to our listeners a little bit of a glimpse and a little bit of a feeling? What do we, as sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth, learn from Mother Fundress? Maybe just one or two. Uh, as a
1: founder of our congregation, she is the one to give us the charisma, so-called. So this specific characteristic of our congregation. So we all share it. And sometimes I, I just think that it's easier for outsiders to say what we share with Mother Foundress. Uh, because for, for us, certain things are just obvious. It's a God's gift that she received and she shared with us. And uh, um, although there are next generation of sisters who never met in person Mother the but we all met her in some way. And we share her charisma, the gifts she had. And uh, that's it, our mission, the way we serve. I hear sometimes that, uh, that Holy Family Sisters are normal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Normal means natural, um, open to people. Uh, And I read that this is the characteristic she had. And I hope we all uh, have this characteristic and uh, and cherish it, because it's very important. Love for God, of course. Of course, that's the first thing. These desire. She actually, all her life, she wanted to be in a complete, in the contemplative uh, order, but she was active. She was one of those first active congregations in the church, and so something else God wanted uh, of her. But this um, desire uh, to be with God was so strong uh, for her. And um, I can see it in in, in,
0: in my sister's too. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sharing and for reminding me as a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth that this woman is absolutely an example for us and that we should always go back to her uh, desires to be closer to God as well. We very intentionally in this sharing didn't tell our listeners everything about her. Where can they go and learn a little bit more about her? Is there anything available out there?
1: Well, I think that beautiful media materials are, preferred, are prepared by Australian province, but also the US province in English. Um, also there are some books printed, uh, not only the one uh, we talked about, but there are her like short biographies, for example, Hidden Life by Maria Stajeska. I think that was also translated into English and others. Uh, we have her um, her writings translated in English that is more, more challenging, let's say, not an easy reading. Uh, like 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 those but those biographies short biographies or we have also excerpts of her um, writings like quotations uh, various books written i think in journey with her is one but mm-hmm. we have more than that uh, i think you can you can find a lot if you want
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Of course, I will put in the description of this episode a few of the links that are available online so people would be able to also click on it and read this. And the third reminder, if you are interested in receiving Little Flowers of Francesca's book, just put your comment in the description of this episode and I will make sure that I will send this book to you. Sister Amata, you really prepared me for the feast of our mother Fandress this month. This conversation (laughs) is inspiring. But maybe there is some final words, there is some final message from you that you would like to share with all of us.
1: Yes, I would like to encourage you to make friends with her. Because when you make friends with a person, you look at that person differently and you can... uh, Learn and and um, benefit much more. It's a different relationship, mm-hmm. so uh, I think there is something that you find that you can share with Blessed Frances Szydliska, that there are certain things certain, certain desires, certain values that are important both for her and for you. And uh, this friendship may um, develop those
0: values in you. What a privilege and what a message that you are leaving uh, us with, uh, with an encouragement to look up to the one that we have in heaven, Blessed Frances Siedliska. Sister Amata, thank you so, so much for your time on Sunday that you have given and the time to prepare to have this conversation with all of us. It has been a great pleasure. Thank you.
1: It's a pleasure for me. Thank you. God bless to everyone.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will tune in again. Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave your review. Feel welcome to visit my website, seekinggodsgrace.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again. Every blessing to you and your loved ones. Talk again soon.